Biden administration negotiates a deal, and that gives the WHO authority over you. I'll tell you more about that coming up. You're not going to believe that one. Pandemic policies, Google goes full minority report, and you like Shakespeare? You might be a right-wing extremist. And finally, making money from sex change operations. Welcome to the Jay Shelton Show. Yeah, it's a jam show tonight. we got so much crap going on. Unbelievable. And uh, we're going to get through it one way or the other. Uh, wow. Let's get right into our Miko update, shall we? The little lady is doing great. This is our Miko update brought to you by BarkBox.com. And there she is. Look how red she is. If you're listening on the podcast, sorry, check out our Rumble.com broadcast, our live stream. And uh, you can see these pictures. There was what's called, we call it the golden hour in the film business. It's right either just before the sun rises or just after the sun sets where everything has this golden glow to it. She was laying out there last night at sunset, golden hour, and her coat looked so red. Normally, in person, she doesn't look this red. You all have seen the pictures before, this little lady. But she was just bright red. When I was a kid, my hair used to be this red, believe it or not. But uh, yeah, that was that was her last night. She's uh, she's doing great. Ate two full bowls of food today without being coaxed, which is wonderful for her. You know about her little eating thing, and uh, played a lot today. So yeah, she had a great time. Our Miko update brought to you by BarkBox.com/slash/Miko. If you want this special deal, <clears throat> it's a monthly subscription service you get for your dog, and you can specify small, medium, or large. And also, if your dog has any allergies, beef, chicken, fish, seafood, whatever it is, just tick the box and <clears throat> they won't send you that kind of stuff. But every month, delivered right to your door, you will get a box customized and themed for that month with two toys, two treats, and a dog chew inside. You're all set for the month. Your dogs will love it. I guarantee it. In fact, they guarantee it. Because if you are ever not satisfied, they will do everything they can and make it right. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. These are good folks at BarkBox.com. Check them out. If you use our special link, BarkBox.com slash Miko, the, show, uh, the link is in our show notes. You'll get an extra month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription. And if you notice just below that link in our show notes is another link which you can opt for which instead of the extra month, it will get you a free dog bed when you sign up. Beautiful dog bed, three different kinds of fabric to pick from, three different sizes, depending upon the size of your dog, of course. And check it out, parkbox.com slash Miko, or use that second link for the free dog bed offer if you'd like to uh, find out more. And thank you to barkbox.com for uh, sponsoring the Miko update. All right, so Biden's been busy. In fact, this didn't make it uh, into the headlines in time for the show, but Biden went to East Palestine, Ohio, and the site of that huge ec- uh, ecological catastrophe. What? Oh no, oh, no, he didn't. Oh, he went to the Ukraine. Yes, he's never been 
to East Palestine. He went to the Ukraine, probably checking up on his 10%. Meanwhile, before he went to the Ukraine, he was sneaking around and screwing with you over there in the U.S., Check this out. Links in our show notes. I've got two different links there. This is from the Epic Times. Biden admin negotiates a deal which gives the WHO authority over U.S. pandemic policies. No kidding. They're preparing uh, to sign up the U.S. to a legally binding accord with these morons at the WHO who, that would give this Geneva-based UN subsidiary the authority to dictate American policies during another pandemic. Despite huge criticism, the WHO's response to the COVID pandemic, which was as screwed up from them as it could be, there's the little lady yelling at something now. Probably the WHO and this story. U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Bacara joined with the WHO Director General Tedros Anhanom Ghebreyesus in September 2022 to announce the U.S. WHO Strategic Dialogue. Well, out of that came a new agreement, a new treaty that Biden has signed, which says in the next pandemic, if there is one, and you know they're going to have one, of course, I'm sure they planned it already. In the next pandemic, the WHO's policy will supersede that of the United States. They will control, getting this whole one world government vibe, bullcrap that's going on. It's all happening. It's beginning. I warned you. Many people have warned you. You didn't want to listen. You better listen now. Now, I saw somewhere, somebody posted, and I, I don't have anything to back this up, I'm not a constitutionalist. I couldn't tell you whether this is true or not. But what I read was any one of these kind of treaties that supersedes or goes against the U.S. Constitution cannot be enacted. It's null and void. I pray that's the case. I have to look and do some more research. I just saw that a couple of hours ago. Someone said that uh, if it's a treaty, but it it flies in the face of the Constitution, the Constitution wins. This is from the Gateway Pundit. It's another story about this bullcrap. The end of American sovereignty. Biden regime negotiates a legally binding deal to give the Chinese-backed World Health Organization full authority over U.S pandemic policies, no Senate approval needed. Nobody gets a say. Biden signed it. It's going into effect. And there ain't nothing the Senate or you or anybody else can do about it. Never fails to orchestrate an avenue to circumvent the Constitution and betray the American people. A bombshell report from the Epic Times Saturday revealed the Biden regime is about to surrender America's sovereignty to the World Health Organization and give them full control over any future pandemic policies. Unbelievable. Biden's Health and Human Services Department secretly submitted proposed amendments strengthening WHO's preparedness for and response to 
health emergencies. To the WHO to reform international health regulations of 2005, which is an existing health treaty. There's a lot more details. You better read up about this crap because it's happening. It's in your face. And unless you start screaming and yelling and bitching about it, nothing's going to be done. They have basically just signed over whatever pandemic policies the U.S. might create to these idiots at the World Health Organization. And that is some scary, scary stuff. You saw the kind of crap. And, you know, in fact, not just then during the pandemic, but even now, they're still pumping the clot shot out there. It's just, it's not going to end until people start putting their foot down and saying, that's it. Enough is enough. All right. Mm. I got another one for you. Hang on a second. Let me go over here. Take a look at this crap. This is a video put out by the WHO in conjunction with the WEF. Listen closely. I hope the sound is working. Zero waste Speaking economy. We're talking about improving biology and redesigning organisms for beneficial purposes. It's going to allow us to not just edit genomes, but also, uh, and importantly, write a new code for life. We'll have right level permissions. We already started to see some of that this year. COVID-19 vaccines, they make use of engineered code in the form of messenger RNA. They, they just say it out there. They just put it out in front. What's on the horizon are diminished reality glasses that look very much like what I'm wearing um, that would allow you to remove things from your point of view, from your view, whether that's garbage uh, or other people. You see what I'm talking about? Do you remember that movie where the guy puts on the glasses and he can actually see all the billboards and what's really on them? That's what we're talking about here. That's what these morons are, are doing. And, you know, they fully admit. They come right out and say it. They've already started the engineering your DNA with the mRNA vaccine. And they're creating new ones to go even further. That Does that scare the hell out of you or what? Time uncertain. Welcome in. Finally able to catch a stream. Long time no see. Long time no see. All right. Good day. Uh, what are you laughing? That's in a round of applause, studio audience. Get it together. All right. We got more. We got more. Google's going nuts. I'm not kidding. Take a look at this. Minority report. Google, we covered this lightly in a past stream, but there's more details in this link, which is in our show notes. Google is pre-bunking initiative builds on Fed's anti-populism internet games. Google and the State Department use inoculation theory to extend pre-crime to thoughts. Former state official says U.S. and Eastern Europe experiments inform Google's new efforts in Germany and India. There's a video. I'm not going to play it. You want to check it out? Go to the link in our show notes. Experimenting on Americans and Eastern Europeans last year, 
Google is expanding a program to inoculate YouTube users against purported misinformation and disinformation to Europe's largest economy and the world's soon-to-be-biggest country. Who determines what is mis- and disinformation? Hmm, that's the rub. The Alphabet-owned company gave the AP a preview of its pre-bunking. They're actually calling it pre-bunking. The initiative expanded into Germany, which will focus on the ease of presenting photos and videos as evidence of something false. Ahead of next week's Munich Security Conference, India will soon follow. The date hasn't been determined yet. Their only direct announcement appears to be on its German policy blog, which mentions COVID, climate change, war, and migration (laughs) as popular targets of disinformation, which simply means you don't agree with the, uh, you know, with the approved narrative of the day. Continuing the German theme, Bill Gates called for artificial intelligence to combat conspiracy theories and political polarization on a German podcast last week. You know, I thought that I thought having discourse, discussions, opposite points of view and being able to civilly talk about them and present the facts, I thought that was a part of what it was all about. Well, apparently not anymore, because if they don't like what you're saying, they're going to pre-censor you. You'll never even get a chance to say it and then have it shut down or get a strike or get your account closed. (laughs) Read this article. That's all I can say. Check it out. It's beyond belief. Unbelievable. I got uh, another link here from Great Game India. The WEF wants to hack your brain. This relates to the video that I was showing you earlier. Check this out. The article's in our show notes. If you want to know more, check that video out that I played. But this is it. During their 2023 meeting, they focused on the weaponization of brain sciences and the vulnerabilities of the human brain, which suggests they might just want to hack into your brain to militarize it. Brain hacking. Hitherto a concept seen only in dystopian science fiction books. Well, apparently now it's it's not close to a reality. It's a reality, folks. The elites in Davos are very interested in using this technology to promote their dubious goals. People at the WEF session were informed that Efforts to decode the human brain were already well underway. This has to stop, my friends. This has to stop. A presentation came five years after historian Yuval Noah Harari cautioned Davos that people may be completely hacked. Tim Hinchcliffe, a man who's been warning about the WF's objectives for years, said, In a word, claims we're living, breathing algorithms. At the moment, Harari's vision was merely a frenzied fantasy, but now this fantasy has become a reality. Read the article. Friends, if that doesn't scare the hell out of you, 
I don't know what's going to wake you up. Maybe nothing. Maybe you just want to put the blinders on and get in line. Do you like great literature? You know, one of the things we do at the end of our show, and we've been doing it almost from the beginning, 320-something shows ago, is we read classic books, great literature, uh, all the classics. We've done The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, Little Prince, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, you like the classics, Treasure Island, White Fang? Well, if you do... You might be a far-right extremist. Not kidding. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. One article after another after another tonight. Every one of them more absurd than the next. Check this out. It's from reclaimthenet.org. Links in our show notes. The UK's counterterrorism program says an interest in great literature is a sign of far-right extremism. Yeah. They also include references to Lord of the Rings, which, okay, great literature. Yeah, okay. Uh, some of the best works of fiction, including books, films, and television shows, have been flagged as signs of far-right extremism. Comedies like The Thick of It and Yes, Minister and even the complete works of Shakespeare are key text for white nationalists and supremacists. A report by the <laughs> Prevents Research Information and Communications Unit said that far-right extremists promoted reading lists online and referenced an image of... Uh, a list of important texts that was being shared in the alleged far-right corners of the Internet. On that list included The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, George Orwell's 1984, and Joseph Conrad's The Secret Agent. Unbelievable. Read the rest of this in the article. I, I can't encourage you enough to check it out. It's an eye-opener, and they're just not going to stop until we say enough. Remember that scene in Network? I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. That kind of thing has to happen. And then maybe they'll listen. Here's another one. We talked earlier about Biden going to Palestine, which, of course, he never went. He went to the Ukraine instead. You know, how just totally uncaring is this man? This rotting bag of oatmeal in the White House. I don't think he's even mentioned East Palestine. And he shows up in Ukraine in an unannounced trip. Well, the problems in uh, East Palestine are getting worse. And it's spreading. Check this out from the post-millennial. Links in our show notes if you want to read it. Cincinnati cuts off their drinking water from the Ohio River because of the East Palestine rail, uh, derailment contamination. It is believed that low levels of butyl acrylate, 
seeped into the Ohio River through a small creek about 300 miles north of Cincinnati, and that prompted the Water Utility Service to take the precaution. There is the scene from East Palestine, of course. I believe that's Cincinnati. Uh, the Ohio River's water intake for the city of Cincinnati will close ahead of incoming pollutants because of the train derailment in East Palestine in a move that local water utilities say is out of an abundance of caution. The service provided by the city, the drinking water intake in the river, closed sometime before the contamination is expected to reach the area by early Sunday morning, yesterday morning. Well, they're, what, about 12 hours behind us? So, yeah. That according to a local <clears throat> ABC affiliate. Some scary stuff there, folks, and unbelievable that our alleged president still has barely mentioned anything about East Palestine, if he's mentioned it at all. And FEMA, who was not going to give them any sort of money or help or assistance, and then Donald Trump announces that he's going to visit to show support to East Palestine, and a very short while, hours later, if even that, they announced, oh yeah, we'll be sending some relief money. Lord knows how much. <sighs> Do you know this idiot? This Rachel Levine, who is one of the biggest embarrassments to America that we have? Well, check this one out. Biden's trans diversity hire, Rachel Levine, discussed the revenue that could be made from sex change surgeries for minors while serving as Pennsylvania's top doctor. Levine spoke with Dr. Roland Ornstein of Penn State Hershey Children's Hospital about potential revenue, including downstream. That's her, and that's him. Yes, I said him. Emails have emerged on social media that shows Admiral Rachel Levine, Biden's Assistant Secretary for Health, discussed the potential revenue from adolescent sex change surgeries with the Philadelphia Children's Hospital. 2018 email exchange via a public records request uh, that... Levine and Ornstein of Penn State, Hershey's Children's Hospital, discussed the need to hire a social worker for the soon-to-be-opened gender clinic. And Ornstein asked Levine to provide information regarding potential revenue, including downstream revenue. Said she wanted to include the information in a presentation to convince hospital administration to proceed with the hiring process for the social worker. Mm hmm. Another eye opening article. The link is in our show notes, and I encourage you to check it out while it's still there. It's just another embarrassment this man has brought to the U.S. CityJournal.org is another article that you'll find in our show notes tonight. Approximately 
zero. Masks, you know, face diapers. Masks make no difference in reducing the spread of COVID, according to an extensive new review by Cochrane. The Cochrane is the gold standard for evaluating health interventions. We now have the most authoritative estimate of the value provided by wearing masks during the pandemic, and that value is approximately zero. The most rigorous and extensive review of the scientific literature concludes that neither surgical masks nor N95 masks have been shown to make any difference in reducing the spread of COVID-19 or any other respiratory illnesses. And to this day, I still see sheeple with that face diaper on their face when here it is. And there are still places that have mask mandates, believe it or not, even though there is undisputable science, undisputable science that masks do nothing. You want to wear one just because it makes you feel good? Knock yourself out. But if you're wearing it because you think it's protecting you from anything, you are wrong. And there is the science. Link is in our show notes. Market, bookmark it, share it with your sheep friends. Unbelievable. All right, we got just a couple more to go here, and then we're going to get on with our book. But a couple of good news stories, actually. One worldwide, one local. And you're going to love it, especially this last one. It is so cool. Uh, environmentalists save the planet, people. Everybody's, you know, carbon footprint. All the wildlife is going extinct. Well, guess what? This is from the Daily Signal. Despite what you may have heard, wildlife populations are thriving. This article by Rob Gordon from thedailysignal.com. Look at that beautiful animal. Wow. With the incessant warnings of vanishing wildlife, it just might surprise you to learn that a lot of the animals in the United States are actually doing very, very well. Population and range most dramatically shrank by the beginning of the 20th century. We had converted forests to fields and fueled our economy, built our homes, buildings, fences, train trestles, transportation, wagons, boats, ships, boxcars, even early cars were all made out of wood. A time before basic laws that prohibited things like dumping raw sewage and cruder agricultural practices generated the dust bowl. And some of these animals were an important food source. There was little, if any, management of hunting, trapping, fishing. But most importantly, many were considered serious threats to crops, livestock, desired wildlife, and people. And they were purposefully eradicated. The past century, though, has seen a very dramatic turnaround on human pressure on American wildlife. Huge improvements in agricultural productivity radically increased the food produced per cultivated acre. And better forestry management, development of wildlife management, 
led to some rather unheralded, unheralded improvements in wildlife population. The American antelope, fastest animal in the Western Hemisphere, can run up to 60 miles an hour. The pronghorn had been reduced from many millions to as few as 12,000 by 1921, but they've come back, and their new general estimated population is around 1 million. Wow! The elk, weighing in as much as sometimes 800 pounds, five feet tall at the shoulder, elk, like their even bigger cousins, the moose, had been severely overharvested. They brought it back from about 50,000 to today, again, around 1 million in many states that reintroduced the majestic beast. The white-tailed deer, been uh, decimated by the 1890s, way back, over 100 years ago, possibly numbering as few as 300,000, and today they estimate there are 30 million or more, plenty of white-tailed habitat. The mountain lion, otherwise known as a puma, cougar, panther, catamount, may have more in common names than any other animal, an extensive range to match. They can be found all the way from Canada to Chile. Well, once subject to bounties, they were shot on sight, eventually survived in uh, the remotest areas of the West and even in parts of Florida. Uh, The bounties were removed, and the number of big cats, which were estimated only around 10,000, Total population, about 10,000 back in 1970. It has doubled or possibly even quadrupled, maybe more. Individual lions have been dispersed within 10 state agencies east of the Great Plains, and uh, they are doing well. And part of that reason is because of the previous white-tailed deer, which is part of the food source. They're doing so well, it's also affecting the mountain lion. This is insane. The coyote coming back, the bobcat. We had bobcats in Connecticut where I lived. I only saw one one time in my whole life growing up there, but it was wild to see it. Uh, It's an amazing animal. The black bear, the river otter, the beaver, all these guys are doing great. If you want to check out the whole article and all the details, you can go to our show notes. It's the link down towards the bottom of the links that uh, on tonight's show. And, uh, and check it out, because it's, it's incredible. And it's really some good news. It really is. All right, got one more for you. Here in Malaysia, which is where I live, I've been here over 20 years now, um, we have schools that are racially segregated. I know. If you're an American, you're like, oh, clutch your pearls. What? But yes, we have Chinese schools, we have Malay schools, we have, do we have Indian schools? I think we have Indian schools. Uh, and then there are some that are mixed. Uh, but um, race is a problem here in Malaysia. Nobody talks about it. Nobody says it out loud. There, I just said it. But it's true. Uh, for the most part, everybody gets along. Everybody enjoys life. But you have these knuckleheaded morons who have to just stir the pot now and then and start some crap. It happens all the time. Whether they think they get some political points or wins, you know, points with the Kampong people, whatever the hell the idiots are doing. It ain't working to the general population, but people still do it. Anyway, 
there is a school. I don't know what school it is actually, but this class, I think it's, it has to be a Chinese school. And most of the students are Chinese, but you don't, you, you, there's not a, a, a rule, a law that you must be Chinese. If you're Malay or Indian or whatever your race is and you want to go to this school, you can go to this school. Well, in this class, full of Chinese kids, is one Malay girl, and it was her birthday. And one, the class didn't want to make her feel left out, so they were all singing happy birthday. And one little guy got up and put on a dance just to make her feel good. Check this out. Watch this guy. Watch the enemy. Zoom. Boom. <laughs> How great is that? All right. And again, he was absolutely celebrating. He wasn't poking fun at her. He wasn't, you know, oh, look at her. Look at her. She's so different. He was just absolutely doing everything he could to make her feel welcome and a part of the class. And to that, we say, good on you. Congratulations. That is such a cool, cool thing. I love that. A link to that, uh, actually, that video, I believe, is also in our show notes. You can check it out. All right. Cool beans. Here we go. You ready? It's book time. And you know what I just realized? I didn't set up the book tonight. So you're going to have to give me a second. I mean, it won't take long. It's just, you know, talk amongst yourselves for a while. <laughs> No, it's, uh, it happens every now and then. I get so involved in everything else going on that I don't get the chance to actually um, set the book up, which doesn't take too long to do. But uh, there, see, we're all done already. We read books on this show. We've done so many of them. Now, please don't forget our earlier story. You might be a right-wing extremist if you're enjoying this book, so be careful. You never know. Honest to God, the stupidity of some people. Anyway, enough about that. It's time to lighten the mood. Uh, we're reading White Fang right now. We've done so many classic books. We're seriously considering doing Treasure Island next. It's a very long book, so if we start it, it's going to go on for months. But that's okay, because it's a great book. Right now, though, we're doing White Fang. White Fang's mom, Kiche, had been taken away as a trade with another one of the Indians, and uh, White Fang has learned a couple of lessons, but he's become quite a hated little wolf dog because of his actions and his vengeance. And the story continues of White Fang. White Fang became hated by man and dog. During this period of his development, he never knew a moment security. The tooth of every dog was against him the hand of every man. He was greeted with snarls by his kind, with curses and stones by his gods. He lived tensely. He was always keyed up, alert for attack, worry of being attacked, and with an eye for sudden and unexpected missiles, prepared to act precipitously and coolly, to leap in with a flash of teeth or to leap away with a menacing snarl. As for snarling, 
He could snarl more terribly than any dog, young or old, in camp. The intent of the snarl is to warn or frighten, and judgment is required to know when it should be used. White Fang knew how to make it and when to make it. Into his snarls, he incorporated all that was vicious, malignant, horrible, with nose serrated by continuous spasms, hair bristling in recurrent waves, tongue whipping out like a red snake and whipping back again, ears flattened down, eyes gleaming hatred, lips wrinkled back, and fangs exposed and dripping. He could compel a pause on the part of almost any assailant. A temporary pause, when taken off his guard, gave him the vital moment in which to think and determine his action. But often a pause so gained lengthened out until it evolved into a complete cessation from the attack. Before more than one of the grown dogs, White Fang's snarl enabled him to beat an honorable retreat. An outcast himself from the pack of the part-grown dogs, his sanguinary methods and remarkable efficiency made the pack pay for its persecution of him. Not permitting himself to run with the pack, the curious state of affairs obtained that no member of the pack could run outside the pack. White Fang would not permit it. What of his bushwhacking and waylaying tactics, the young dogs were afraid to run by themselves. With the exception of Lip Lip, they were compelled to hunch together for mutual protection against the terrible enemy they'd made. A puppy alone by the riverbank meant a puppy dead, or a puppy that aroused the camp with its shrill pain and terror as it fled back from the wolf cub that had waylaid it. But White Fang's reprisals did not cease, even when the young dogs had learned thoroughly that they must stay together. He attacked them when he caught them alone, and they attacked him when they were bunched. The sight of him was sufficient to start them rushing after him, at which times his swiftness usually carried him to safety. But woe the dog that outran his fellows in such pursuit. White Fang had learned to turn suddenly upon the pursuer that was ahead of the pack. This occurred with great frequency, for once, in full cry, the dogs were prone to forget themselves in the excitement of the chase, while White Fang never forgot himself. Stealing backward glances as he ran, he was always ready to whirl around and down the overzealous pursuer that outran his fellows. Young dogs are bound to play, and out of the exigencies of the situation, they realize their play in this mimic warfare. Thus it was the hunt of White Fang became their chief game, a deadly game withal and at times a serious game. He, on the other hand, being the fastest-footed, was unafraid to venture anywhere. 
During the period that he waited vainly for his mother to come back, he led the pack many a wild chase through the adjacent woods, but the pack invariably lost him. Its noise and outcry warned him of its presence while he ran alone. Velvet-footed, silently, a moving shadow among the trees after the manner of his father and mother before him. Further, he was more directly connected with the wild than they, and he knew more of its secrets and stratagems. A favorite trick of his was to lose his trail in running water and then lie quiet in a nearby thicket while their baffled cries arose around him. Hated by his kind, and by mankind, indomitable, perpetually warred upon, and himself waging perpetual war. His development was rapid and one-sided. This was no soil for kindness and affection to blossom in. Of such things he had not the faintest glimmering. The code he learned was to obey the strong and to oppress the weak. Gray Beaver was a god and strong. Therefore, White Fang obeyed him. But the dog, younger or smaller than himself, was weak, a thing to be destroyed. His development was in the direction of power. In order to face the constant danger of hurt and even of destruction, his predatory and protective faculties were unduly developed. He became quicker of movement than the other dogs, swifter of foot, craftier, deadlier, more lithe, more lean, with iron-like muscle and sinew, more enduring, more cruel, more ferocious, and more intelligent. He had to become all of these things, else he would not have held his own nor survived the hostile environment in which he found himself. Wow. Chapter 4 is coming up on our next stream. It's called The Trail of the Gods, and we will get to that coming up on Wednesday night on the Jay Sheldon Show. White Fang, written by Jack London, back in first published back in 1906. Hey, what do you think about doing Treasure Island next? It's a great, it's a classic book. Give me a chance to go, Arr! Ahoy, matey! <laughs> Maybe. I, I'm still considering it, but it's way up on my list. If you've got a better idea, we'd love to hear from you. Just PM me on any one of our social medias, or you can email me. Always welcome your comments, criticisms, ideas, suggestions, stuff you want me to talk about, books you'd like me to read. Uh, show at jsheldon.com. S-H-O-W at jsheldon.com is the email address. We leave it open because we love to hear from you. What we'd also love you to do, if you wouldn't mind, just take a quick minute. And right over here is a follow button. Hit that follow button. We had over 400 views on our last show. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Truly, truly amazing. That's on our Rumble uh, channel alone. If you are over there on Rumble, please just hit that follow button right there. And we really appreciate it. On YouTube, it's subscribe. Facebook is follow. And Twitch.tv also, I think it's subscribe. 
whatever it is, click the button. It's free. doesn't cost you anything. And it helps the show out a lot. I really appreciate it. We'll see you again Wednesday night, 10 o'clock. Hope you enjoyed it. This is the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. (laughs) 